We cross to the regions now where a state of emergencies has been declared in Northland, Auckland, Coromandel, Oporiki, Whakatane and Tairawhiti region due to the threat posed by Cyclone Gabrielle. Thousands of people are without power in Northland, Auckland and the Coromandel Peninsula. In Whangarei, the District Council has been asked, um, has been asking people rather in low-lying areas in the town basin to self-evacuate before high tide. With us, we have Mayor Vince Kukurulo on the line. Uh, Mayor Kukurulo, kia ora. Kukurulo, how are you going then? Very, very good. Well, uh, quite an evolving situation this one, isn't it? Uh, what can you tell us? What's the latest? Look, the biggest thing from us, uh, we've got... Still got the rains happening, still got the, the storm happening. Winds aren't as high as what they were this morning and last night. So with that in mind, North Power and Top Energy are actually out there trying to get the lines back up and working again for a lot of the community. It's when a it lot comes, of people to uh, um, reconnect, isn't it? Absolutely, but it's not just it's not just the community people. It's also cell phone towers. So a lot of reception with people, they all rely on the power, and if the power goes out, the cell phone towers have no power, so the, the, the coverage goes out. What areas have evacuated? Look, we've, we've put a non-compulsory evacuation on those in low-lying areas around the town basin and those on the waterfront. It, when I say not compulsory, we're giving them the option. We're saying this was because the high tide was happening at 2 o'clock today. We encouraged them to move out of the town basin because we didn't know how high the water was actually going to get. And going by previous flooding information, it was looking like they would probably be affected. So we, we just precautionally said to them, look, it's your choice, but we would encourage you to evacuate from the, from the town basin area. Got it, right. Let's get our panel to jump in here, though. Well, so much to think about, isn't there? Mm-hmm. Um, when's the next... So the high tide was 2pm. Are you worried about yep. the next high tide? So the next high tide, again, is around about 2.30 tomorrow morning. Yep. Yeah, And then we get after that, about uh, 2.45. Mm. So that'll that'll uh, that'll bring a, a whole range of things back to prominence when uh, you're preparing for that as well. Absolutely. But the mm. big thing is, is because the cyclone is moving and where it's moving to, the west coast of New Zealand is now getting really hammered. So mm. you know, we, we border on to Kuiperus and right now they're feeling the brunt of it, what we felt this morning. So it's, it, is, it is coming through, it is cycling around. Uh, we're you know, just looking at the forecast from the Mets is showing that we will get hit again tomorrow morning around about 4 o'clock. Right. Uh, so mm. yeah, we are literally, we, you know, none of us are, are perfect scientists when it comes to the weather, so we're going to mm. take it as it comes and we're going to deal with the situation. Our biggest thing for Northland is that State Highway 1 is closed. So the Brindouans are closed and also around Hukranui area, that's all closed, from, that's north of Whangarei. Yeah, David. Yeah, has that? What? How long now have the Brindouans been closed? Like, did they reopen at any point, or has this been um, a, a permanent state of closure for however, however many days it is now? Actually, it's a really good question there because what happened last week? They were opened up to one lane only, and it was northbound traffic only. Then on Friday, they opened up to two lanes. And then uh, yesterday they, they announced, they turned around and said, no, we're going to close it at 6 o'clock. They closed it at 6 o'clock and they've had more slips over the evening and today, so they've, they've left it closed again. As for when it opens up, sorry, I can't answer mm-hmm. that one. Yeah, all right. Um, if, you can if go. you come around the Waipu Coast, is that uh, accessible for now? I'm not saying that, that that's, that's great, but I'm just wondering if it, it exists. Look, it is accessible. However, it is accessible by one lane only in some parts. 
Being right. a non-state highway, the roads are not up to the same standard. So we don't yeah, right. encourage trucks to take the, those routes. We encourage heavy trucks to take State Highway 12 and 14 to get into Whanganei. All right, Mayor Vince Kokorokiora, thank you again for your time. Uh, and now to the Tairawhiti region where Gisborne Mayor Rehet Stoltz is on the line. Kia ora, Rehet. Kia ora, Wallace. State of emergency announced earlier today. How much of an impact has the cyclone had so far in your region? Well, it's wet and wild out there right now, and we can see it getting wetter and the rain more intense. You will be aware that um, the areas north of Tolaga Bay has been on a red rain alert, and now in the last half an hour, Met Service also upgraded our southern area, or areas south of Tolaga Bay, to a red rain alert as well. So we can see the rain just intensifying. Mm. And for us, the the biggest um, concern is around 12 midnight, 1 a.m. tonight when we have high tide. So we will be closely watching river levels and surface flooding. We've already ev- evacuated a few communities, and we will be dealing directly with them, letting them know via text alert and also with a defence force in the police on the ground helping us and getting them to safety. Oh, very good. And where are the areas of most concern for you at the moment? So we've asked the residents in the Hikawai area that's close to Tolaga Bay and also in the Te Arai River, which is close to Manatuki, to self-evacuate. We've also asked residents in Onipoto that's close to Hicks Bay, Farikahika, to evacuate. So those areas are on close watch to us. River levels are rising faster than we originally expected. So around midnight and 1am tonight, um, we will see those high river levels and also the surface flooding. So we are asking our residents, please go home and stay home. All right. Nice to have you on the program, Rahat, and uh, all the very best for the next 24 hours. And uh, RNZ will be back uh, with you uh, perhaps tomorrow. Kia ora. That's uh, Gisborne Mayor Raj Dolts. So we have uh, someone who's uh, experienced some flooding very, very soon. But gosh, it's uh, quite the weather event, isn't it, David? I mean, you know, we, it feels like we've been talking for about the weather for, uh, well, a long time at RNZ. Uh, what with that uh, massive event? Uh, I don't know if we, whether you were affected uh, in the last downpour. Me? Yeah. yeah. Um, the... the... <laughs> I would have stayed home if I could, but uh, we had a uh, literal life and death situation in the hospital and I had mm. to take somebody over there. And, and I was thinking as I was driving through it, this was the, the Friday downpour, I take it you're referring to. Um, yeah. And um, the I didn't get the, um, the, the sense, well... I thought I was okay to head on home later uh, that evening and uh, nearly got myself flooded on um, uh, Banshaw Street. So I got a real sense of, you know, how this thing spiralled out of control and you didn't really have a sense that um, uh, the gravity of it had been conveyed the way you should. Now, we were distracted because of the hospital, but but all the same, you know, I I think um, the communication was, was kind of, there was sort of a void there and and I wondered about that. But I've got to say... Um, I was just, you know, listening then um, to the Gisborne mayor and, and, and thinking, you know, cyclone hail—that was about a month ago—and mm-hmm. the, the, yes. poss- the possibility of this happening again this summer in Tairawhiti is not zero, you know. And how mm. the hell 
do you get your get your get your thoughts around that, Heather? Yeah, I'm feeling very fortunate to be living in Wellington at the moment, and for the Upper North Island, um, you know, 2023 has just been wet, 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 hasn't it? And with devastating consequences for far too many people. Indeed, mm. indeed, indeed. It's 16 past four. Uh, Mahanga says South of Rotorio. Uh, it's it's called uh, uh, Kopuaroa State Highway 35, and State Highway 35 will be closed from 7 p.m. tonight. Uh, other feedback coming through. Uh, what your experience in there? Uh, Liz says I'm in Rissington Hawks Bay, about 30 k's west of Napier. It's rained hard for the last 12 hours, and marooned at my property by two. Flooded creeks. Ground was already sodden from last time. We've had no summer, summer in sunny Hawke's Bay. Fruit growers have been hit hard. Stay safe, everyone. So I would really love to hear from you, wherever you are in Aotearoa, um, how are you experiencing these weather events? Um, do you have no power? Uh, other lines down. Uh, have you had trees down like we spoke to Monique earlier her, where a gum tree uh, hit her place damaging the whole place so any uh, any feedback that you would want to give us here on the panel we absolutely welcome it here you can text me 2101 and with us now is Kare Kare Rata Kia ora Kare are you, are you with us Kare can you hear me Oh, Delia, sorry, Delia. Yes, I'm here. Oh, Kiara, nice to have you here. Sorry, Delia. All right, so whereabouts uh, in Northern do you? I am actually in Dunedin. Oh, right, no, okay, so sorry, we uh, have gone to the wrong story there. Um, We will come back to the cyclone and uh, look again, please keep in touch with what's happening in your region. We do go to a list very shortly, but it is understood that there will be some announcement around truancy this week with the return of truancy officers or attendance officers. They were phased out in 2010, so school attendance has been steadily declining since 2015, made worse by covid and the fall has been across envy, uh, sorry, across every decile, year level, ethnicity and region. So uh, we thought we'd cover other stories as well, including this. And with us is Dr Delia Baskerville, Honorary Research Associate at Victoria University of Wellington. Uh, Dr Baskerville, kia ora. Kia ora. So how bad is the issue of truancy here? Well, it's very complex and it's hard to actually determine in some ways, Wallace, because our, our statistics are made on a Term 2 um, Ministry of Education data. So it doesn't indicate quite clearly the complexity of truancy because I think there's very a lot of different ways of looking at the problem. For example, you have truancy that is parent-condoned. So you've got parents who, for example, some parents will take their students out of school for holidays, other parents will keep their their children home because they're anxious and they're tired. Then you've got school resistance where you've got um, students who really don't want to go to school because they're being bullied. And then you've got the students who are um, having more family responsibilities. They're having to go out and, and earn a living to support family income. They, they may be bathing a, a grandparent before they go to school. So there's a real complexity within the truancy issue. And I don't necessarily... Um, I wonder sometimes if the the statistics we're given reflect that complexity, Wallace. 
Oh, okay. So, yeah, there looked to be um, something going to be happening around truancy this year. And a new strategy uh, was last year outlined, several initiatives. So, one, a public awareness campaign highlighting parents' responsibility, setting clear expectation for schools to prioritise attendance. That was another one. And whether whether or not more frontline services are needed. Uh, Would the return of the truancy officer, if you like, would that help? Well, I, um, interestingly enough, in my pilot study, Wallace, I interviewed a, a truancy officer in an RTLB, and they were working together very well. And they were. this was before the, the uh, truancy officers were changed, just before that. And um, they worked in the same community, and they knew the students, and it was very effective. So I kind of think that truancy officers within a community that know the school and really work alongside that school can be a good thing. Okay, all right. Uh, Heather Roy. Yeah, interesting to hear the the um, discussion around the complexity of the issue, and you really do need to delve well down into the granularity of the data, don't you, to get the real picture. But I, I agree with the comments about the truancy officers. I think in many respects, for some of these children, it's just being somebody visiting at their home and taking them to school to get them back. But, you know, it's it actually... It begs a wider discussion about how our education system is serving our young people. Um, The current minister says that one size doesn't fit all or a punitive approach won't work, but our education system is very much one size fits all. And I do think that New Zealand needs a wider range of educational options. Um, and, you know, I'm looking forward to charter schools being back, for example, because they look at things in quite a different way and try and cater for those children who, who struggle in the mainstream system. OK, so the charter school, pretty, uh, well, uh, certainly uh, quite the topic of uh, some years gone by, dear. There are other countries that have them, but a charter schools an answer or part of it? Well, that is very debatable, and I agree with the comments made. I do think that we don't have a one-size-fits-all, and I think what concerns me is we make these changes and we go back and they become fashionable. And I think we need to be looking at more of a community-based approach at the moment and really contextualising within communities what is needed. So some communities may need those charter-based schools. Um, But I would like to see a, a more meaningful context for learning for students and catering for particular needs within communities. David Slack. I appreciate it. Uh, also, thank you, Delia, the, that uh, complexity explained to us. So this happens so often, you know, in so many of these stories. People form a, um, a, a kind of a caricature of what is perceived to be the problem. And, and I think the narrative these last few months has been too many people being lazy and not wanting to go to school or parents not trying hard enough to send their kids to school and it, it, it has a blame sound to it that sounded yeah. simplistic and I like the I, I like the sound of this for its realism um, that's not to say that there wouldn't be instances where there's dysfunction and, and, and things need need to um, require intervention but I, I kind of wonder if when you talk about the value of the truancy officer if, if that's only meeting the need a certain part of the way that what we keep hearing again and again when we talk about actual dysfunction and, and, and real problems in a, in a family is proper wraparound care where you've simply got yeah. enough resource, enough time and enough people and 
you, we seem to keep shortchanging that, and and I, 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 I seem to be soapboxing us rather than asking you a question. I guess my question is, um, have you in your research identified what is most desirable in terms of um, resource and 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 how, you know, given enough money, what kind of what would that kind of resource look like? Well, first of all, I would like to agree with you that the attribution of blame is is not part of the equation that I perceive. I see a community-based model where we're um, trying to identify experts in the particular communities who can provide this wraparound service that you talk about so that we're really focusing on the families that need support to get their children to school and the students who are struggling to get to school so we can identify the barriers that they're experiencing so they might be addressed. Also, I think the teachers need to be supported to really think about inclusive practices and you know, class sizes are so big. The social issues that are coming through yeah. school with students with um, different learning um, needs are so complex. And I think, you know, during COVID, we saw how many parents said, oh, I wouldn't want to be a teacher. I've only got a few children at home. But they've forgotten about that now. And we really need to be supporting, the, providing resources for teachers and really supporting them too. And there's a part of me that would love to see the, the grey power people mobilised because there's a lot of wonderful teachers and um you know, people with expertise in communities that would be keen to come into schools and support them. Yeah, interesting, interesting. Yeah, Delia, we might come back to this because there could well be an announcement and there's so much more to say about this. Uh, I really um, uh, want to thank you for joining us this afternoon. Thank you very much. Lovely is, to talk to you all. Yeah, that's yeah. Dr Delia Baskerville there uh, from Victoria University of Wellington. So that news uh, that uh, it's, there could be some sort of announcement around truancy. Uh, well, I said this week, but probably not this week now, with the return of truancy officers. What do you think? You can text me at 2101. All right, now back to this uh, cycling Gabrielle and uh, listeners are coming through with uh, what they uh, have experienced. And with us now is Kare, Kare Rata, Kare Kiora. Nice to have you here. Oh, Kiora Wallace, Kiora Aotearoa. Yeah, lovely to have you here, Kare. And whereabouts in Northland are you? So I'm in Whangarei and I'm in a little area called Onorahi. All right. And how are things now uh, where you are? Tide uh, Thai Tide was at 2pm for you? Yes, it was, 2pm. Mm. So, yes, it came up. Parts of, parts of it came over our main road, but it wasn't as bad as what it could have been. And mainly because it did subside a bit as in the rain. So we had it really heavy in the morning. Um, right. There was a lot of wind, it was really pelting down, and then sort of midday it, it started to ease off a bit. So what we've got now is just sheep, just drizzle sheep going through the whole area. Okay, yeah, because you sensed through some pretty significant flooding images through, you know, sort of parks flooded and roadways and such like, and is that starting to ease a bit now, Kare? Yeah, yeah, it has. Um, like, I'm, you know, I'm, my property overlooks the um, Whangarei Harbour looking back toward the city. And um, I can see from my deck that the paddocks have gone down, the, the level of the harbour itself has um, decreased, and, and we're on the outgoing tide now. So, you know, yay for that. All right, very good. Hey, stay safe. Thanks for joining us, Kare.
All good. Okay, bye. Well, all right. Uh, thank you. Someone says here, in Hokiana off-grid, so no storm issues, especially as the cocktails are still cold, says uh, Lawrence, uh, direct from Mahia Peninsula, weather hasn't been too bad today, just steady, moderate rain all day, along with gusty moderate winds. We didn't have time for I've been thinking earlier, so we'll sneak uh, we'll stick them in, we've got time for one of them uh, now, and one of them after the 4.30 uh, headlines, so oh, Heather Roy, do you want to take it away with mm. your I've been thinking? Thanks, Wallace. Well, I've been thinking about the events of the past few days, uh, weather-related, of course, and it begs the question, why do we have so much trouble being prepared for emergency situations? We we personally, I mean, I spend quite a lot of time with clients in my consulting business, focusing on business continuity, planning and crisis management, and I think things like COVID and people working from home and earthquakes have all helped businesses to rise to the challenge, but we don't seem to have made the connection with being prepared for a crisis at home. For example, you know, we, we know that we should have enough water, but we people very rarely get extra in. I've got a 200-litre tank that you can buy from the local councils, and it's just in my garden, um, for example. And But, you know, not a lot of people take advantage of, of those sorts of things that are available. Um, we should be thinking about appropriate food and a means to cook it if the electricity goes off. You know, so it's mm. all very well having a barbecue, but if you haven't got any gas to make it go, then it's worse than useless. Well, it just um, so happens we're discussing that towards the end of the program. Yeah, that's right. So we should have things like torches and radios and candles and grab mm. bags. Um, one thing that, you know, in an earthquake-prone um, city like Wellington is people are quite good at having a gym bag with a pair of running shoes in their car so that they can walk home if they yeah. had to. But, um, you know, we've had plenty of warning with this event, but for most emergency situations, you don't get a lot of warning. And um, it would be good to think that there are some lessons that come out of the situations we've faced very recently and that people do start thinking about being better prepared. Good on you, Heather. Thank you very much. We'll come to you, uh, David Slack, after 4.30. By the way, uh, very soon, the song Whisperer, as I said, it may well be a cyclone. It doesn't stop us from doing the song Whisperer. uh, And uh, those lyrics again, cut from a sheet metal plate because it's just been raining. What's the song? It texts me two one zero one and a lot on truancy. Beer says, "Good afternoon. We had a truancy officer. It worked well, and it worked well because it was always about relationships. The truancy officer worked hard at maintaining the relationships with repeat offenders, but ultimately, it was great, and truancy was." really reduced. It is 4.30. You're on the panel on RNZ National. Heather Roy and David Slack joining me this afternoon. It's time for headlines.